You are listening to Castilea School's very own STEMX podcast. It's September 21st, 2020, and our ASORG is hearing from the incredible Donna Poar. If you are interested in the dynamic relationship between tech, robotics, and entrepreneurship, this podcast is for you. Without further ado, here is today's episode. hosting a very accomplished speaker today and we are super excited to hear from her. So Ms. Dana Pawar is a product executive with a lot of experience in consumer products and services. She has worked with numerous companies of varying sizes ranging from small startups to big fortune 500 companies um, and she's a frequently invited speaker and actively mentors girls in STEM. Um, and I, I actually recently learned that she knows three languages being English, Hindi and French so that is very cool. Um, so please, let's give a big STEMX welcome to Miss Dana Pawar. Thank you so much. Wow, that was uh, an amazing introduction. That was very kind, very generous. Thank you so much, Ashni. And it's super exciting and awesome to meet you all. Um, I love, love, love talking about STEM. That's my favorite topic. And of course, I love that women are more excited and want to get into entrepreneurship and engineering and STEM. So this is like the best of both worlds. Um, yeah. So with that, um, is it okay if I just share my screen really quick? Uh, and also just a quick sort of, you know, housekeeping. Um, I don't really do death by PowerPoint at all. Um, so I really want this to be very interactive. Um, I, I love, you know, talking about my journey through stories. Um, it becomes, you know, more real too. Uh, based on real life experiences. And um, again, seriously, keep it super like interactive. I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, you know, even while I'm speaking, don't don't hesitate to interrupt. But I think Ashni, the format you wanted to follow was um, I would speak for, for the first 20, 25 minutes maybe, and then open it up for a Q and A. Does that sound good? Oh, for sure. And, but you also have complete freedom. So if people want to pop in or whatever you feel works best. Cool. Yeah, so interactive session is Awesome. Let me just pull up my deck uh, really quick. Mm, for some reason, it says only one participant can share. Okay, that's kind of weird. Can everyone see my screen? Yeah, so as I said, I'm really excited to be here. I, I want to talk a little bit about my journey. Um, so I, I jokingly call myself uh, the P. Diddy or Puff Daddy of the tech space. And I don't know if you guys even know who P. Diddy or Puff Daddy is, but uh, he's a, a musician, an artist who uh, kept changing his name. Like one day he was P, the next day was Puff Daddy, Diddy, P. I don't even know what he is anymore. But uh, the reason I, I say that I'm the, the P Diddy Puff Daddy of, of um, you know, this, this, the tech world is every single company that it, I'm at um, has actually gone through a name change. And so if you look at my LinkedIn profile, it reads pretty much as, uh, you know, a quotient formerly known as, uh, nuance formerly known as. So every, everything is always like formerly known as. Uh, Prince also rings, uh, rings a bell. So um, I've been incredibly lucky. I came from um, uh, you know, a small town in India, well, not small by American standards, six and a half million people, but considered small in India, um, and moved to 
to America. And, um, you know, I've just been so, so blessed by always landing you know, at the right place, right time, uh, and having some amazing mentors. And we'll talk a lot about that, of the importance of, of mentorship and, and, and building a network early on. Uh, as, as we talk, but um, this is just, you know, just talking about a few of my companies. Um, so as I said, I've been very lucky to, a name change typically happens, you know, when you get acquired and or you go public uh, or a company just feels like changing a name. But in my case, um, almost every single company that I worked at either got acquired or went public. And I was just going to draw your attention to um, this company in the bottom right-hand corner called Quotient. Um, so it was my sort of most exciting moment because I was brought in, you know, when the company was small and I joined the company a week later, they announced a $200 million raise at a billion dollar valuation. I, I literally picked the company because I could roll out of bed and walk to work. I am not even joking. Um, I had an offer from Skype and I had an offer from coupons.com. That's what the company was known as. And I'm like, Ooh, do I really want to commute? Like, 25 minutes away to, to Skype versus just roll down the street and join coupons. Um, never used a coupon in my life, never was a couponing person and uh, you know, literally just joined because I liked the team and it was close to my house. And next thing I know, I was on this rocket ship and you know, a couple of, a year and a half later, I got to be on the team that you know, really worked hard towards the IPO and we went public. So it was really, really exciting um, journey in general. Um, and then I'm just going to sort of pause really quickly on um, how I landed with a few other companies maybe. So with Ms. P, it was again another really serendipitous journey. Um, I was working at a gaming company, not really excited about working in gaming um, and decided, you know, I just want to start my own company and um, decided to just sort of put it, you know, in an online forum that I want to start a, a company would anybody want to join me on this journey? No idea in mind, just want to start a company. Uh, I got a, a you know, response back from, from this guy called Peter Ofe, and we decided to meet uh, at a cafe in, in San Francisco. And the first thing he, when, he, when he saw me, he was like, wait, you're a woman? And I'm like, yeah, what do you think? And he was like, dude, your name is like Dana. It could be anything. And I thought you were a dude. And so that was, I was like, ooh, this does not bode well for this meeting. But it was amazing. Like we went on to found this really fun company called Miss P, which is a mobile bathroom finder, and we really just took a leap of faith, right? I mean, we decided we wanted to do something different, something unique. Um, if you Google Miss P, we had about three fifty articles written about us within the first few months of launch, and this company was really important because it taught me a lot. It taught me that you know. You should always keep an open mind. Um, for example, we thought this, this 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 particular company was just geared towards women. You see, we even have a woman on our logo. Um, and then it turned out that you know we started getting emails from biker groups, like hardcore macho male biker groups, saying, "I love your app. You know, people think only women care about clean bathrooms. We're always on the road. We love this app so much because it helps us find clean bathrooms." So. It just taught me a lot, just this company, like never judge a book by its cover, don't have prejudices, um, you know, when you're launching a company or a product. And, uh, you know, obviously this was one of my um, most fun, fun, fun companies that I worked on. Um, OmniLabs was also really interesting. Um, I had no experience in robotics or AI. Uh, I've always been doing uh, a lot of B2B, B2C companies. Uh, and then 
one of my friends had invested in this company and said, hey, you know, amazing team, bunch of brilliant uh, PhD guys. Uh, can you just, you know, talk to them and see how they can take this product to market? And next thing I know, three and a half years later, we have achieved so many amazing things with robotics. Um, so today our company is product is actually helping uh, doctors with COVID, dealing with COVID, uh, patients dealing with COVID, and so much more. So this has been a very sort of emotional journey coming from you know not having a clear idea what we wanted to do to where we are today. And um, lastly, NASDAQ, um, I just want to put this out there. I'm on NASDAQ's um, entrepreneurship, advisory board of NASDAQ's um, Young Entrepreneurship Center. And this is such a phenomenal resource that I would encourage all of you guys to take a look at. So um, basically, we're ba right now we're based in San Francisco, beautiful office there, uh, not used anymore. But we provide unlimited free resources to anybody who wants to join us on the entrepreneurship journey. And you'll be amazed. Every day, we have the most brilliant programming available to, 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 to people who want to uh, start a company we also run a boot camp. Uh, we take no equity. We literally just connect you with the best of the best in, in the space and help you, uh, you know, get your company to the next level. So I can um, actually share with you later um, the, the links for NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. But again, it's a free resource and it's just incredible like how much, how much um, awesomeness there is at, 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 uh, at, at NASDAQ for you guys to use. Cool. So I already talked a bit about my proudest moments. Um, you know, again, um, it's just been, as I said, an amazing journey with um, with, with Omni Labs, um, starting from like just an idea of what we should be. Um, you know, again, a, a really good sort of maybe idea for you guys is just participate in as many hackathons, as many like code camps, tech events. Um, you know all these like cool competitions that are going on and just enter your product, right? Like you'll never know what sticks. And with OmniLabs, three years ago, we entered a whole bunch of like robotics and AI competitions. Uh, we won almost all of them. We always, always took first place for the most part. And that's when we knew that, oh my God, we're onto something big, right? We're onto something amazing. The fact that you know, robotics and AI, the way we're dealing with it or approaching it is so different from what's been done today. Um, that you know, that's how we've been validated by all of the all of, all of the, uh, the wins that we had. And then a year later, our robots actually walked down the runway at London Fashion Week. I mean, that's just crazy. And actually, today is the second year anniversary of that happening. Um, so we broke all barriers. We're like, why should only humans walk down the ramp? And we had our robots blinged out and walked up walking down the ramp at a major fashion show. And BBC that never ever ever connect uh, uh, sorry never covers fashion shows because you know it seems so frivolous for bbc to do that um that's not what they're about they came to our show covered us and they said they had 350 million views um uh, you know broke all records of, of views uh, on their on, on on that segment um a lot of people hated what we did a lot of people loved what we did but at least we had this conversation about robotics in mainstream uh, and then from there on, you know, like I mentioned, we actually now help so many different use cases in uh, real estate, in healthcare, uh, in education. And here you can see uh, we actually enable kids who are suffering from debilitating diseases to attend school. Today it seems so, so silly because you're like, all of us attend school online. But, you know, two years ago, 
kids who were stuck at home because of many different medical reasons would miss an entire year of school because of the treatment they were getting. Uh, they were not allowed to go into school environments and they would drive the robot into school. Earlier, somebody had to take a laptop for them inside the school. They would really not be interactive. Here, they drive the robot around from the comfort of their home or hospital beds. They zip around, they hang out with friends at the yard, um, you know, through the robot. And it's really changed how, how kids can actually attend school virtually um, while they're, they're in the hospital. Uh, and, I, and of course, like I mentioned, right now our, our robots are walking down the halls of hospitals, um, you know, helping patients, carry, carry things to patients, help sanitize hallways, and a whole bunch of other use cases. Um, the other things are just really fun things. You can see Mark Zuckerberg there. Um, so very early on, I was super, super passionate about um, you know, getting more girls in tech. So I launched the Silicon Valley chapter of this organization called Girls in Tech which is now uh, in over 35 countries, which just blows my mind how much we've grown. And um, this was a long time ago, exactly 10 years ago, uh, we approached Facebook and said, we wanna do a hackathon for girls in tech and girls only. And Facebook was like, A, we don't do, you know, uh, we don't open up our hackathons to non-employees. All our hackathons are internal. And they'd never done an event of this type before, but you know, full props to the Facebook team they were like, why not? Let's do it. And so we had our first ever hackathon that Facebook opened up to non-Facebook employees. We jammed for three nights in a row. You know, Mark uh, Zuckerberg showed up and sh to show his support, and it was just incredible. Um, and that was sort of my first sort of taste of if you really want to change the world, you just have to ask. There are so many people as powerful as Mark Zuckerberg who are ready and willing to help, and you just literally have to just Put, it, put yourself out there and just ask, and you'll be amazed at what kind of doors get open for you. Um, so I already talked about coupons.com. That was my first sort of amazing ride from a, from a startup, uh, raising money all the way to IPO. It was a really proud moment, so I have that in here. And the last one is, um, you know, similar to what I'm doing right now, I've been working tirelessly for the last 10 plus years, really just um, involving youth and getting them Really more excited about about STEM, um, and I also, you know, was one of the early um, members of Technovation Challenge. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Um, that we started at Monte Vista High School, and then now it's across the globe. Also, so really been passionate. And the reasons I can talk about in my next slide why I do what I do. So I'm going to pause for a second here. Any questions? Any thoughts? Well, so why do I do what I do, right? Um, I, I'm just gonna tell you guys um, two stories before I get into like the biggest challenges that I've faced. But um, I moved to, to um, America 20 years ago and I came from India, like I said, and I always thought, you know, India has inequalities and that's the norm and we accept it and I know it. But when I came to America, I really truly believed that everybody's equal, right? Like super naive me thinking, oh, it's all peachy and everybody's equal. And then my my first job in, in the US, um, my husband and I were uh, working for the same company. My husband had the title of director of engineering platform. I had the title of director of engineering front end. We were working on the exact same product. He was leading the back end, I was leading the front end. And guess what? he was always paid, so he was paid significantly higher than I was, and for every si single um, bonus um, 
structure that we got for the reviews, I got better reviews from my peers, from my managers in the review process, and yet he got a much higher bonus every single time. And I would never have known this if I was not married to him, right? And that was my first aha moment that things are not equal in America either, right? Same title, same role, and yet I get better reviews, and yet he gets a higher pay and bonus. Then my second big aha moment was, um, you know, I went to this conference. It used to be called 3GSM. It it was the largest mobile international conference. Uh, It used to be held in Cannes um, in France. And I was representing the product that I had helped build because I was a product manager and owner of that product. So I was, you know, at our booth, excited, ready to show off the product I built uh, with my team. And a guy walks up to me and says, um, hey there, I want to talk to the product manager for this product. And I'm like, that will be me. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. I need to talk to somebody who really knows something about this product. And I'm like, again, that would be me. I'm the product manager of this product. And then he says, I'm sorry, you don't understand. I don't want to talk to the booth babe. I want to talk to the product owner. And I'm like, okay, this is just not working. Like." something has to give and that's when i came back uh, to the united states and started uh, the silicon valley chapter of girls in tech uh, because what i realized was when i looked around i was often always the only woman in the room right it's always a bunch of male engineers and me a bunch of male product managers and me and typically the, the the women would be either like in hr or marketing but um not not much diversity anywhere else and every conference i went to it was awesome in a way because I don't know if you guys know, but like every time you go to any place, the women's bathroom line is the longest. But at all the conferences I went to, the men's bathroom line was super long, and the women, there were probably only two women, right? Which is cool in a funny way, but really not cool at all. Uh, it was always a sea of black coats, of black suits, and two women in, in, at conferences. So I decided, you know, I have to do something, change the perception and show women that there are role models and get them more excited to to be and stay in STEM and not drop out early, like like what happens in, in America. So again, often the only woman in the room, uh, definitely not taken seriously due to my gender and you know obviously age as well, right? Like ten years ago, surely younger, and um, you know always played a part that you know you're too young. Like why are you heading up this product? Like I don't believe that you own this product. It's constant and men don't face that right necessarily. Um, I already talked about being paid lower than my male counterparts for the exact same role. Uh, and again, this is not just me, guys. Like this, all of this is, is, is you'll hear the same story or similar stories from other women as well. Um, also, you know, always held to a different standard uh, where you, know, you can't be too emotional, you can't be too powerful, you can't be too confident. Uh, just constantly like walking on eggshells and held to a different standard and you really have to work around it and find your true authentic self. Uh, early, otherwise, you know, it gets really difficult. And I think everyone's heard a lot about the imposter syndrome, fake it till you make it. Um, You know, a lot has been talked about this, but it's real. I mean, for the longest time, I knew I was good at my job, but at the same time, I did not have confidence because others around me did not make me feel confident. And so I used to just believe in it. I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna tell myself every morning, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, right? Like you just keep telling yourself this till you really believe it and other people around you believe it. So 
um, you know, you really feel like you don't belong there. You shouldn't be there. Even though deep down, you know, you're doing a good job. You, you just feel like you're not good enough. So those are honestly my biggest personal challenges. Um, maybe on, on, on like product challenges, I, I'll spend a little bit of time maybe just talking about those two. Um, my biggest product challenge came from coupons.com. Um, you know, I was uh, leading this new product. It was a grocery list, a grocery shopping app where we enabled people to do, do groceries using their phone, sync up with their uh, family members so that everybody knows what groceries they purchased and not. So it was like a really simple, easy app, insanely popular. It was so popular that even our uh, investors were like super uh, invested and used to pay a lot of attention to the app, um, even though that was not our core product. And one day I decided it needs a revamp. Everybody agreed. I did a lot of due diligence. I looked at a lot of data because that's me. I'm very analytic. I'm, I'm very uh, analytics based. So I looked at a lot of data, and data showed me that 0.1% of people were using some features that were not really moving the needle for us as a company. And so guess what I did? I didn't really talk to people who were using that feature. I would look at data and I said, logically, like, you know, this is a waste of resources and this is not adding any value. People barely use it. I just nixed that feature set. Like, so in the next release, those three features were gone. The next thing that happened blew my mind. I, in my wildest dreams, would not have expected the kind of, like, literally um, backlash that I faced as well as the company. We woke up the next morning feeling super good about the product we put out last night. And we're like, hey, let's go see like what people are saying about this cool new uh, upgrade. Disaster. We were a four and a half star app. We went down to one star rating and literally vitriol, like anger. I had completely misread the situation. People were writing things like, my family's gonna starve because of you. I'm like, really people, a grocery list is gonna make your family starve, but that's how they felt. They were like, my family's gonna starve because I don't know how to do groceries anymore, or that, that was my life, and you took away the core feature that helped me navigate the store. My you know, old mom has problems remembering layout of the store, and the app helps her, and you remove that feature. Like, so much anger, I just could not believe it. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? my ceo started getting calls from vcs saying what did you guys do like how did you guys make such a big blunder and i have to say this is my first learning which was humility and support so my ceo came up to me and he said you know what don't worry about it i know you've got this everybody makes mistakes fix it he didn't throw me under the bus he didn't fire me he didn't like react you know irrationally he was amazing he was supportive and he was like i know you're gonna fix it go fix it and I literally didn't sleep for 30, the next 30 days, this became my life. I read every review and there were hundreds and thousands of reviews that were people writing daily. I read every single review. I responded to each and every one of them. I reached out to each and every one of those people and I gave them, you know, uh, basically I gave them discounts on our other services that they used to use completely rolled back the changes because those three changes that people found were super important. So we figured out how to actually move, you know, them to a place where it made sense. And again, humility, support, and just taking ownership of, you know, your mistakes and moving on, right? Like I didn't say, oh, it was not my fault, or I didn't try to dump the blame on anybody. I owned up 
had an amazing support uh, in the CEO and, and moved on. So that was my biggest challenge, I would say, from a, from a product perspective. Cool. Uh, so biggest inspirations for me, um, I think everybody should knows probably, I don't know if you guys know Canva. I don't know if you guys use Canva. Does any, do you guys use Canva at all? Um, okay, cool. So my, my two biggest inspirations, and as you see, it's no surprise about women. I, I definitely have amazing male mentors who I'm insanely grateful to. But to me, honestly, Indra Nui is such an inspiration. Uh, she was the CEO of PepsiCo for 12 years. And the reason she's such a big inspiration for me is she just took adversity. She took a really tough situation and turned it around to make PepsiCo one of the most successful companies of our time, right? So uh, first of all, she broke the glass ceiling for a very traditional old school consumer brands company, which is really hard to do and a company she did not start herself. And what I loved was, you know, she really pushed for healthier products. She came in, she saw that, you know, PepsiCo was putting out chips and soda, you know, things that you don't really want kids to have. And she, was, she saw the future. She saw that, A, this is not good for society, but it's also not good for the company because there was a move towards healthier foods. And she saw that before everybody else on her team. Um, she pushed for healthier products, and PepsiCo saw over 80% sales growth during her tenure, which 80% for an already big brand like PepsiCo is phenomenal if you come to think about it. The other thing that she did, which was amazing, was pushed for design thinking into everything, right? Again, PepsiCo, when you talk to PepsiCo about design, all they used to think about is packaging, branding. Ooh, how do we have brighter colors? How do we make our brands pop, our packaging pop? And she kept trying to convince people that that's not what design thinking is. Design thinking is a grow fast, hack, growth hacking mentality. And design has to be part of everything they do from the from the bottom up, not just in the packaging, the design, which is how everybody thought about it. She turned that into one of their core strategies. She sought out one of the best resources for design thinking, got that person in. The person that that person or the resource was like hard to get, but he asked for like full lab, full control. She, she let him have it. And again, good lesson there is find the right people for the right job and then enable them to be successful, which is exactly what she did. Um, and again, you know, so many different things that she did led to having an 80% sales growth, which, which to me is just amazing and inspiring. Outside of all that, she's a huge proponent of this whole work-life balance myth, right? It's truly not realistic for any person or CEO or exec or even a woman, like any woman at the workplace, to believe that they can spend 50% time at home, 50% time at work, and have it all be equal and have drop no balls. It's like, you know, that's just not possible. There is no work-life balance, and she's been pushing this charge of that's a myth. And as long as you, as sooner that you accept it, the easier it is for you. Uh, the one on the right is, um, you know, again, Melanie Parker, who I really find super inspiring. Uh, Canva is a product that really has changed and democratized the way we design. I mean, earlier you would pay $350 an hour to a designer and you know, be at the mercy of that designer. Today, anybody can design beautiful things, right? Using Canva. Um, and it's worth $3.2 billion today for a reason. Um, and what I love though is her story, right? She never gave up. 
she started it in her dorm room. I mean, she was, you know, super young when she started this company. She's still very young. Um, she started in her dorm room. And what I loved is she never gave up. She pitched to over 100 VCs who refused to take her seriously for many different reasons. And my favorite story about her is, uh, you know, she found a really good VC um, and that person, uh, I think it was Bill Sai, I, I can't remember, but the, the VC was all into kite surfing and he was the only one who kind of remotely seemed interested in her product from all the 100 investor pitches she did. So she went for it. This guy was into kite surfing. She learned how to kite surf because he ran uh, an annual kite surfing uh, event where he brought all of the investors and startups together and then they hung out and talked to the you know, shop and got investments. She actually learned how to kite surf, which is not easy to do just so that she could get invited to that event and have a chance to pitch to somebody who remotely believed in her idea. And that to me, just you know, the persistence, the perseverance and belief in yourself um, to me is very inspiring. All right, so that brings me to my last um, slide. Really, what are the key takeaways uh, from all of the you know, things that I just um, talked to you guys about? I, I really think for me, the biggest, if, if you were gonna take four or five things away from today, um, you know, it, it really don't get intimidated by the pressures you will face. You will face so many pressures, especially if you're gonna stick it out in STEM, uh, which I'm really hoping you wouldn't do. So many people are going to tell you, you're a nerd, you're a dork, it's not cool, it's not fun. Um, you know, what are you gonna do with a degree in STEM? People are just going to knock you down and try to not get you to follow your dreams. And you just have to dig your heels in the ground. If you believe in what you're doing uh, and you're passionate about what you're doing, just, just ignore all the noise, right? So don't get intimidated by the pressures you're gonna face. Um, and then next one for me really is nothing is out of reach if you put your mind to it. So truly, I mean, look at look at Melanie per uh, uh, Perkins, right? I just gave you her example. Like imagine hearing hundred no's. I mean, hundred, like, you, you know, pitching is such a full-time job. You put your heart and soul into your pitch. You're excited, you're proud. You wake up the next morning at 6 a.m. like ready to go because you, you believe in your product. And then at 10 a.m., like every other day, the, the VC says, no, I'm sorry. I don't like what you're doing, or this doesn't make sense, or it's not my, my cup of tea, and you do it again the next day, right? So um, if you really believe in, in, in yourself, like really nothing is out of reach, you just have to keep working at it. Um, mentorship, for me, this has been the story of my life. I have been so incredibly lucky to have the best mentors all my life. And some of them I have actually sought out and asked if they would be my mentor. Um, some just organically became my mentors, um, but I cannot emphasize on this enough, you guys, like having mentors early on, and the mentor could be a teacher, it could be a senior at school, um, you know, it could be somebody who you really admire in the industry, and you will be amazed. We are so afraid of like reaching out and asking for help as women, as, as, as females, but honestly, just do it. People really admire and appreciate frankness and authenticity, but also be careful. Like you don't want to just like randomly walk up to somebody and like, hey, can you be my mentor? You have to build a, build a, a really good rapport. You really have to spend time to understand what's important to them. Uh, how can you use their time in a, in, a, in, a, in a beneficial manner? They're going to learn from you. How do you give your time to them as well? So 
mentorship to me is literally, I think, the reason why I have reached where I've reached. Uh, without mentorship, honestly, I would not be here today. So, which is why I do what I do right now. I really want women to have more mentors. And if anybody wants to reach out to me after this, I'm, I'm definitely open for, for a, a discussion and chat on, on mentorship. Um, and of course, building a network is critical, right? There's no, er there's no time too early to start to build a network. And again, your network can be people around you at school, or you can go and try to widen your network, but your network will help you get to the next level of your, your, of your product or project. Um, already talked about this. Don't let anybody tell you you're not good enough. You're going to hear it a lot. And my last point before I open it up for questions is definitely pay it forward. Pay it forward as often as you can. All of you guys have so much to give, which is why I'm excited about the Q&A section because I'm going to learn so much from you all. Uh, but honestly, like for me, I've, I've got so much from everybody and I this is my way of you know paying it forward. So I would highly encourage you guys to do the same. With that, I'm going to pause and open it up for questions. Thank you. Yeah, Toby. Hi, thank you so much for coming to speak to us today. Your story was so, so inspiring. So as young high school students, you know, in a couple years, we'll be looking for our first jobs. And as somebody who's been in many successful companies, I'm wondering, like, what does success look like in a company when you're like a prospective um, individual looking for a job? So are there like specific qualities we should look out for, like leadership teams, things like that? Great question. Oh my God, this is a brilliant question. Um, so yes, what? So I'll, I'll start with both sides. So as you know, as as a fresh graduate looking for your first job, I would highly encourage you to look at not just you know the, the job that you're applying for, but like you said, the team. Um, I would really look at the leadership team, right? If if there's the leadership team does not have diversity on it, or just does not look like you know. Um, it's, it's a team that you're excited about. Like if you see somebody who's you know done crazy things in the past, like you kind of maybe don't want to be part of that team necessarily. Um, so I would really look at the team, but I would also encourage you guys to look at boards, right? Boards today are very powerful and boards are driving a lot of the, the tone and the voice and the direction of a company. Um, so, you know, today we're all about diversity and inclusion. I mean, everybody's talking about diversity and inclusion and over $104 billion was spent by Fortune 500 companies last year on GNI initiatives. Uh, and a lot of that came from the board, right? Boards pushing CEOs to do more. So I would really look at not just the team leadership, but also the, 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 uh, the actual board composition. Um, and I would also really just look at, you know, a lot of like companies put out personal mission statements. They actually put out a lot of like their social impact reports, right, what they do outside of work, like, do you go build a playground together as a team? Like, do you do like crazy office parties? Or do you use that time to go do more with your life? So I would really, these are all very important things starting out, of course, along with salary and job title and profile and work you're going to be doing. Um, and also, like, what, when you interview, uh, I would not hesitate to ask all these questions. I mean, people don't ask these questions of the interviewers. Honestly, if you were asking me that question, if I was interviewing you, I would be over the moon. I mean, I would really love this candidate because for me, it's not just about your day-to-day -day job. It's about bringing more of yourself to the company beyond just like the core skills, right? It's passion, it's your unique experiences, your own leadership style. Um, so 
and actually I'm working on a product right now that's addressing exactly the same issues. So it's all very trendy. Any other questions? Um, so can, yes, Kate. Hi, so um, you mentioned that you actively try to involve girls in the tech world, but um, I think coding and tech can seem very daunting at first, especially if you have no previous experience. And I'm sure that a lot of girls want to experiment and try things. So what would be your advice to girls who have no experience in tech, but want to try something new and experiment? Ooh, really good question too. Um, yes, coding does seem super daunting and it's not. <laughs> um, and. So the few things, the first thing I would always encourage you to do is not everybody has to write actual code. Like you don't have to be you know, deep down in the bowels of C++ or Linux, uh, you know, to be in STEM or be in tech. Uh, so some things I can, I can definitely recommend is start small. I would just start with tools like Wix, right? So, you know, Wix is such an amazing, fun tool where it's a little bit more than, you know, just building a dummy website. You can actually connect it with databases and it's a very drag and drop uh, user interface. Um, so I would definitely, and I'm happy to, uh, Ashni, after this call, um, you know, over the week, I'm happy to send you a bunch of tools that are super easy drag and drop tools that actually just get you started, right? And honestly, uh, when I was at Technovation Challenge, we had this exact same problem. We had 38 girls in our first program who did not want to be there. Their parents had forced them to come to the Technovation Challenge where we taught them coding, we, we taught them Android programming for six weeks. And then the other two weeks were used uh, to you know, really design your product and learn about leadership, entrepreneurship, launch a company. And then they would pitch to a real life VC and get you know, anywhere from $10,000 to $50,000 in investment. Like that was the, the, the challenge. And um, all those women did not want to be there because they're like, all our parents do coding, we hate it, sounds too much. So we literally made it very fun. We actually did role play. Like, you know, when we were teaching them about objects, like in C, we had like one person stand here, another person stand here, and like literally role play like an actual code. Um, but what we found was most exciting were two things. One is break it down. We literally would be like, okay, just draw a circle and write code to draw the circle. Draw another circle and now have those two circles interact with each other. Like starting really small, and when you see your work like on screen come to life, you're like, oh my God, what else can I do? What else can I make this circle do? And the other thing we did was the Technovation Challenge first year, because we had such a problem like getting women into the program, girls, sorry, into the program. This was for high school girls. Um, we also said, you know what? There's gonna be no theme. We're not gonna say you have to build a mobile app around education or around healthcare. We're like, go wild. Pick your best idea and we got I'm not joking, 80% of the apps were for fashion, which was okay. And we were like, that is okay. We don't care that they're about fashion as long as you're doing something that you that you know excites you and writing code to make that happen. We're okay with that. So I think just removing those barriers and like doing what excites you more. The other thing I would highly recommend is buddying up. You know, doing something alone is super hard. I would find four or five like people around you and say, hey guys, I want to start this project or this company or this idea or product. I'm really good at design, but I'm not really great at coding. Who can bring the coding to the table? Who can bring leadership or like be the you know leader of the team? Who can be the, the dev person going on and doing partnerships? Who's good at marketing? You don't have to do everything yourself. And then over time though, everybody should be able to do a bit of everything, right? Because eventually you're gonna go on and build other companies and do other things. So I would definitely lean in on like uh, you know doing things together 
and I'll send you a bunch of tools that'll really help you guys not get intimidated by coding at all. Ooh, another thing is so many amazing companies are doing code camps and hackathons. Honestly, hackathons are your best bet to like just get your feet wet quickly, right? Because you don't have to write the full details code. You're just building a shell of an idea. You're making it work a little bit, getting it validated. Uh, and code camps are phenomenal because they're meant to ease people into the coding process. Um, and again, um, you know, you guys can look at so many amazing code camps and scholarships that are happening you know, just right now. So does that help answer your question a bit? Yeah, that's super helpful. Thank you. Cool. Um, so I think we are heading to the end of the period. Um, does anyone have any last questions or thoughts they'd like to share? Oh, yes. Uh, sorry, Yaisa. Yeah, so you were talking about how you went to the conference and the man didn't take you seriously as the being the project manager for being a woman. I was wondering if you could kind of describe how you dealt with that and like if you had some advice for us if we were to encounter that when um, we were like older. Yeah, I, I wish somebody had asked me this question or told me how to answer this question for me, sorry, when I was starting out and love it again. Um, you know, honestly, I was very shocked when I got this question, the, I mean, when I got that reaction the first time, because that was my first time. I think the way I would really deal with it next time is just like be confident, right? Like know your product, don't let somebody intimidate you. And even if somebody calls you a name like a boot babe, you know, just tune it out and just like know that you know the product. I think this is what I always do. Like when I feel stressed and I, when I feel like not confident uh, when I'm going into a big meeting, I always talk myself, tell myself, you own this product, you've defined it, you know this product better than anybody else. I, and because, you know, we forget that when you work on your product for so long, you know it better than anybody else. People can ask you questions, try to knock you down. They might try to question what you're doing, which is great that that's all very valuable, but never forget that you know more about that product than anybody in that room. And if you walk in with that mindset, trust me, like so many things just get easier. And I do this even till today. Like I get very intimidated going into this large group of VCs to pitch a product. And I'm like, you know what? No, I know my product better than them. They may be smart and brilliant, but I know my product. So maybe that's a good way to think about it. You just listened to Castilea's STEMX podcast. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and share so others can find the episode. Thanks for listening.